Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammered Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so here in a little bit all right let's go ahead and get started like we always do with oh somebody messing with my buttons here we go with their need to know news here's your need to know news hey when that happens all right uh, purdue loses on the road tough one in nebraska 88 72 the final mason gillis it's five of ten from three matched by the corn huskers uh tamanaga who hit five from deep most of them highly contested nebraska i mean didn't matter where they chucked them up from. 61% from three. Purdue just under 40% from three. It's not like they were hapless in this. Next up, Saturday in Mackey, hosting Penn State. Big Ten teams on the road this year, 6-20. and 20. Only conference above 500, the SEC, who's 5-2. and two. Tonight, top 25, there are seven teams on the road. In the top 25. That includes 15th ranked Wisconsin there at Ohio State. That game was what? I I had it up here. It's the other one, which was uh Northwestern at Penn State. Northwestern was just a one and a half point favorite in that one. Wisconsin, I believe, was were they seven and a half last time I looked at it? No, they're one and a half as well. I don't know why I thought it was that high. Oh, because I was thinking about Kansas and UCF, because that's seven and a half. Like, that sounds familiar. Uh, tonight, the women's squad will hold court in a sold-out Mac Arena. National Player of the Year, Caitlin Clark, in town with the Iowa Hawkeyes, 8 p.m. on Peacock. If you've got a ticket to the game, fans are encouraged to bring gently worn winter clothing and Purdue gear to donate to Lafayette Urban Ministries. Those who donate clothes will receive a 10% discount to the Purdue team store online. Fans can also bring canned or non-perishable food items that will go to Ace Food Pantry. Uh, This from goldenblack.com. Purdue will alter its football staff. Chris uh, Petrilli and Justin Sins will be moving into new roles. Uh, Petrilli is going to, uh, well, goes from senior special teams analyst, um, now becomes one of 10, Purdue's 10 assistants that uh, count on the sideline with the title of special teams coordinator. He'll be able to recruit all that stuff. Sins, you know, former Purdue tight end, is now a senior analyst tight ends coach. Replaces Seth Doji, who left in December to go over to Marshall to become the D.C. over there. Sins was an offensive analyst last season, worked with the line, been at Purdue for the last eight seasons, five of which he served as offensive quality control analyst. Three is a grad assistant. Good for him, man. Love to see it. 
Chicago reporters busy today. Man, you had no shortage of things to write about here. As Luke Getze is getting the axe as offensive coordinator for the Bears, who are also going to let uh, go their quarterback's coach, receiver's coach, running back coach, and assistant tight end's coach, are all being shown the door. Uh, Kevin Warren's holding a press conference here at, uh, I believe, 4 o'clock our time. So that would seem that Matt Eberflus is going to remain as the head coach. Some of you are not happy about that, and I understand. Well, it's crazy. I had a I had a stat that I saw, and I think I retweeted this earlier today. That the Bears offensive coordinators that have lasted more than two seasons in the last 25 years. More than two seasons. Ron Turner from 05 to 09. And Mr. Third Down screen pass himself, John Shoup, 2001 to 2003. Guys, that's it. This will be the 13th OC hire in 26 seasons. They go through offensive coordinators in Chicago like the uh, like the Browns go through quarterbacks. Crazy stuff. Also up in Chicago, uh, Chicago, Connor Bedard underwent successful surgery to repair his fractured jaw. He is out of the lineup for six to eight weeks, so says the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know, unless he gets whatever shaman Aaron Rodgers uses, right? Maybe he's back in three weeks. Uh, we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, the Hawks did lose last night 2-1 to to the Oilers. Uh, they were like minus 460 favorites going in that one, the Oilers. And they only won 2-1, to one, so a little shocking there. Uh, the Blackhawks going to head to Winnipeg tomorrow night. Tonight, NBA action. The Pacers are hosting the Wizards, 8.5-point favorites, the Blue and Gold, with no Tyrese Halliburton. Meanwhile, the Bulls are hosting the Rockets, minus 3.5 at home are the Bulls. And there you go. That is today's Need to Know News. All right. I... I said the seven and a half. I liked the seven and a half yesterday. It did not go well. Um, so I am, I'm, I'm taking a shot in the dark here. I'm going to take the UCF plus seven and a half tonight at home. As we told you just how bad it's getting in terms of these road games all across the country. And the, the 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 Big Twelve is no different. They're three and four. Uh, no, what they lost a couple last night. So I mean, still uh, sub five hundred road teams uh, this season in conference play, except for the SEC. So I, look, I'm going to put it to the test here. We're going to give that a try. Not every top twenty five team is going to lose on the road tonight. But UCF has got some size to deal with Kansas in the interior, so you got that. I mean, other scary matchups tonight. Fifth-ranked Tennessee's at Mississippi State, who's 11-3. and That's a one-and-a-half-point spread there. Clemson's only a one-and-a-half-point favorite at a 9-5 and Virginia Tech. UNC, seventh-ranked team in the country at 11-3. NC State's a three-point favorite there. Even UConn going to Xavier tonight. Xavier 7-7, seven and seven, and this is only a 4.5-point spread in that one. Ninth-ranked Oklahoma goes to 
TCU, who's 11 and 3. So, yeah, I mean, there's some matchups tonight in the top 25. And I guarantee you, I mean, Houston lost last night. I would not be surprised to see Tennessee, a top five team, lose tonight. I would not be surprised to see UNC lose tonight at NC State. I would not be surprised to see the number four team, UConn, somehow lose to Xavier. I mean, we could end up with like five or six top ten losses this week. And not even be to Thursday. Totally could happen. But I know you You want to, what are we doing in the Big Ten here? What are we doing? I, what a doubt you go with the Wisconsin under, right? At 140 and a half tonight, they're at Ohio State. Buckeye shooting 37% from three, but just under 50% from the interior. And guess what? You would think they shoot a lot of threes. No. 171st and three-point attempt rate. 148th and free throw attempt rate, which is going to not help you score points. Neither one of these teams gives a free throw line. So really what we're banking on here on the under is, is that Ohio State doesn't go off from three at home, which is exactly what we were trying to rely on last night with Nebraska, and it happened. I think there's going to be a lot of shots taken from the outside tonight in Wisconsin and Ohio State. So I mean, you you got to play. You got to play the numbers if you're forcing. If it's going to be tough to score on the interior on both these teams, I mean, you you got to just play the fact that neither one of them shoot well. Uh, the Badgers are 34 percent from three. The Bucks are 37% from three. Wisconsin, one of the slowest tempo teams in Ken Palm, 318th. And we're getting 140 here. I like that number. I'm rolling with this Wisconsin under tonight. More often than not, Wisconsin, they'll cover you on the under. It's one of my favorite plays. Uh, I think Northwestern is good enough to beat Penn State on the road on a Wednesday. The fact that we're only getting one and a half points there makes me feel good. I don't know a ton about Penn State, just the, the fact that every time I watch it, it hurts my eyes. Now, at home, Bryce Jordan, yeah, that does make me a little bit nervous. That's why I'm kind of going here to this uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State game. We're talking two points, maybe one and a half, depending on the book that you go to. Each of Ohio State's last seven games against AP-ranked opponents at home have produced a total of 141 or fewer. So I like that. I wouldn't hate you if you wanted to take Wisconsin to win. I know we talked about all this toughness on the uh, road and stuff. Wisconsin's won each of its last eight games against non-ranked opponents. But I think we're in for a little bit of a lower... And and they do, the last couple of seasons, they have been in the 120s, low 130s range. 
And I think once they've gone over this number, this 140, and that was in 2022, and that game was at Wisconsin. But we're in for like a 70-55 to 55 game maybe, I think. That's where that's what I'm leaning towards there. And I will note this, uh, Wisconsin has won two out of the last three. But it's a split the last several games when they played at Ohio State. So that's what I'm rolling with here tonight. All right, we're going to take a break. Hey, continue your thoughts on the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline on last night's Boilermaker basketball game. I know you got things you want to talk about. I got some things I'm a little bit heated about that we need to talk about. That's coming up next as we continue local sports talk here on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Hammerdown Show, 101.7 The Hammer, 101.7 TheHammer.com. You can always reach out on the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline at 765-447-4080. Always take text there at 765-447-4080 as long as uh, my text service is working. (laughs) What happened to it? Text it in. I'll keep working on it to make sure that it, that it gets there. But uh, love to hear your thoughts on last night's game. What did we talk about yesterday? I know I said I like the 7.5. I know that I said that Purdue is the better team. But what did we talk about? What Purdue could not do. It was the turnovers. It was the defense in transition. Right? And that was just keeping Nebraska from going off for three. And all three of those things happened. Also thought Nebraska did an excellent job of junking up that lane at times. Really disrupted Edie, couldn't let him get in any kind of rhythm there. So when you do that, I mean, you're going to leave those shooters on the outside open. And Purdue shot all right, but they didn't hit enough. A lot of this is credited to Nebraska. I know people, as soon as Purdue loses, want to say, oh, but you really got to credit Nebraska. There were some bonehead turnovers, yes, absolutely. But, I mean, Tom and August shooting these things with hands in his face almost every time. The, the ones he missed, he was open. You got dudes fading into the quarter, into the baseline, just chucking them up, and they're falling. Sometimes it's just not your night. Got this text in here. Purdue is now the hunted. They will always get the other team's best effort. One more thing. If I hear grown men moaning and uh, something else about 20-year-old kids, I'm going to scream. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting to the age where I start to identify with that stuff. Um, I'm not going to complain about the officiating this one, even though I was not a fan of the physicality that gets let go and then some of it gets called. There is clearly a problem right now with these flagrant one reviews. If Mason Gillis is going to get that review and that foul, so be it. But there's about four or five other instances where now I'm asking myself, why? like Fletcher Lawyer, when he goes down and bangs his head, there's no review there. Tominaga is like, I don't know how many times you saw him get matched up with Edie. And what he, he just held onto an arm for dear life. And it seems pretty clear as day. There are, I, I, I don't understand that. 
that's what's killing me about the officiating right now. So we got three straight games where you go back and you look at these, well, uh, it's a flagrant foul by the definition. Okay, all right, fine, whatever. But then you see uh, Purdue players go flying, and we don't stop the game. But we'll review box outs and we'll review tap fouls and 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 and, and all this stuff and hip checks and, and that's why because somebody else goes flying. But it seems like when Purdue players have been going flying over the last four or five games, we're pretty darn quiet. I know Robbie Hummel and and Goodman discussed this stuff on their uh, podcast earlier in the week too, because you know TCU got screwed over on this and. I, I just I, I don't understand. How those can be calls that get reviewed, and yet when the same thing seems to happen to some Purdue players, eh, there's oh, we can't take a look at that. Never mind the hook and holds. Remember the good old days we used to be upset just about the hook and holds that aren't getting called? I feel like I learned something about those with Tominaga last night. And I'm not calling I'm I'm not insinuating like he's a dirty player or anything like that. When you are what is he? 6'2, 179, and you get marooned on Edie Island, uh, you do whatever you can just to hold on. And Lord knows he's not big or strong enough that he's going to pull down Zach Edie. And I think they know that. I think Zach's strong enough. So you might as well just hold on for dear life and see what you can get away with at that point. But credit a lot to Nebraska. I I do not want to take this away from them. Because they very much went out and earned that with their shooting performance. This was not a game where you feel like, oh, Purdue slow on the rotations. They they had mental lapses, that's great. But consistently, especially from three, do you really feel like that they were asleep at the wheel on the three-point defense? They are the best in the Big Ten in defending the three-point line going into this one. And Nebraska somehow still knocked down 61% of their three-pointers. Sometimes there's just going to be nights on the road, ain't much you can do. You can play a good game, but there ain't going to be much you can do about it. But an inability to really get Zach going early on. And then, of course, he got uh, those two fouls as well in the first. That put him on the bench. Brain Smith looked frustrated. Edie looked frustrated because he was getting some, uh, you know, some little love tap fouls. Meanwhile, it's a war in the trenches. You could tell his frustration, and he's been feeling that for the last couple of games. That level of frustration. He's got to woosaw that out and get refocused. Mason Gillis coming in, knocking down threes, boy. That's the reason you were in it there. And they would go on runs. Purdue would go on these runs and get it close. But then, you know, Nebraska just, they, they take a bad shot, go down and transition, pop up. There's a three, come back down. Purdue turns it over. Here comes another one. And then they would just extend, go back and, and, and extend. Mass was just faster and quicker than Edie could handle. Certainly seemed like the size of Purdue was the disadvantage at times there, the the smaller, more faster forwards of Nebraska were definitely having a better time. 
But these people that are jumping on to the, here we go again. No, stop that. They are not going to win every game. You know that. Nebraska was 12-3. and Not complete slouches. Hadn't beaten anybody, but not complete slouches. And as uh, my very uh, smart texter just told you, everybody's going to give number one their best shot. They're all going to try to put it together for that one game. It happened to Purdue last year. They still won the league by three games. They're three and two. The world is not over. Wisconsin loses tonight. They go to three and one. And then everybody's got a loss in the Big Ten if that happens. And then you just find yourself, what, a half game behind Wisconsin for the top spot in the Big Ten with Penn State coming in this week. It's not a time to panic. It's not a time to to lose it. But you need to have a strong showing against Penn State, and then you're going to have to go down to Assembly Hall on Tuesday. So you better get mentally right. After that road trip to Iowa, and you could be looking at the same issues that you had against Nebraska with a team that loves to shoot the three. Now, you already got that victory over Iowa. You know what they can and what they can't do. I don't think Iowa is in the same level as Nebraska because their defense is just that bad. But if you can go get the win against Indiana on Tuesday night on the road, you get the win against Iowa on the road. You got Michigan at home, and then you got another dangerous one at Jersey Mike's round out January with revenge at home against Northwestern. You're going to be okay. But boy, the, these national these national guys were so excited about it today. Oh my goodness. I don't know what it is that they have to have Gonzaga or Tennessee or Arizona or Kansas in that number one. I mean, they just have to have it. It doesn't feel right when you call Purdue the number one team in the country. They hate it. They hate the way that Purdue develops the program, doesn't have to do the NIL by the guys. In the transfer portal just to be here, you know, four or five guys. They hate it. Well, they got their wish for one night. But hey, whatever. AP voters, they'll probably bury Purdue down like five or six. Say, we told you so. And not look at what it just took to beat Purdue twice. Shooting over 50% from three-point range is what it took in two games to beat Purdue. And even the other games where that's happened, I mean, Purdue has fought their fought their way back and, and and won the game. But yeah, no, they're 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 complete frauds, right, guys? Please, please, we're taking another break. We're coming back. Hey, more Hammer Down Show next. Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Big day in uh, NFL football here. You know, the Bears are going to hold this uh, press conference in a little bit. Luke Getze and a uh, number of offensive uh, assistants are going to be let go. Does that fix the problem in Chicago? Well, 
like we told you at the beginning of the show here, it's uh, it usually doesn't. They go through OC so quickly. How do you develop quarterbacks when they got a new coach every two years, three seasons? You know? There's something for some stability. The real big news uh, today as well, because this is a shocker, is Pete Carroll is rumored to be out as head coach of the Seahawks, but would remain with the team in some different capacity. How does that work? There's no way he gets fired and they bully him into an office job, right? Like, he has to be like, ah, it's time for me to hand the reins over. I'm getting old. I want to move in to do this. That was uh, that just kind of came out of nowhere today. But it doesn't sound like he is a candidate to go anywhere else. We also heard today that uh, it, it sounds like uh, Antonio Pierce, you know, uh, head coach or interim head coach of the Raiders, they've got to make a decision on him, and Tennessee is going to be bringing him in. And seeing if uh, he would be interested or if they're interested in him to take on the, the role for the, uh, for the Titans. So we got that carousel. Um, and to be honest, I, where, where do the Bears look next for an offensive coordinator? Well, certainly none of these head coaches are the guys that you want to talk to. To be honest with you, there's you're probably looking at staffers ready to take the next step and become offensive coordinators. Probably where you're at from a from one of these very, very good teams. I mean, you, what's what's the dream? Eric Bieniemy is that the dream? I heard they're actually throwing his name around for the head coaching vacancies again, which he never seems to get the past two three seasons. Never seems to work out. Got out of Andy Reid's shadow, went to the Commanders, and how's that gone? Poorly. But this is great. Where, where do they look? And usually I've got a name or two that excites me uh, in the uh, in the NFL. But right now, you look at the staffs and you say, uh, I don't know. One interesting name that uh, I think you inquire about Byron Leftwich. I mean, that's a call you make, right? Buccaneers let him go last year. Didn't pick up anything in the fall. The guy's got a Super Bowl ring, doesn't he? Hangs out. and been hanging out with Bruce Arians. Hey, this guy knows something about quarterbacks. 
I mean, I don't know how much of a long shot that is at this point. Uh, he leaves Tampa Bay with some... That's That was weird because a lot of people were floating his name around as a, as a head coach for a while. And then, you know, Arians ends up letting him go. Is he ready to break back in? Would you, as a Bears fan, like to get him? You know, you probably, if, if you didn't trade in that 2003 draft where you end up getting Rex Grossman, you could have had him as a Chicago Bear. But we'll see. We'll see how this all shakes out for the Bears. Um, obviously, some changes need to be made. And I'd be interested to see just how much input Justin Fields gets into this. Probably not a whole lot because I don't know they know what they want to do. Anybody that accepts this job also has to know what's going to happen with Justin Fields. Do you keep him or are you taking somebody in this draft? And if so, does that offensive coordinator have to show you uh, whatever style they play, that they are uh, able to be a quarterback whisperer, so to speak, and also develop that kind of player in that in the offense that they run. So, again, decisions had to be made about what's going to happen at quarterback. But I feel like somebody young, perhaps, could be good for this. Leftwich is a little season, but not so much to where you start calling him an older guy. But that's a guy I keep an eye on. I, I think that's a dark horse candidate here. Everybody, Chicago media and stuff, they'll have these uh, short lists. They'll, they'll write that up for the weekend of who they want to target, who's on the radar. They'll They'll ask around and see who the top candidates are. But I'll be, uh, I'd be surprised if their heads, he may already have a gig. He may be sitting waiting for that thing to get announced. But uh, I, I think that's a guy you definitely call that might be on the Bears' radar. I mean, those, those other positions, quarterback, coach, and all that stuff, you know, they'll do. That doesn't excite you. I know that. Maybe if you get a certain name or two in there, yeah, cool. But you're not, you're not so going at it here on the Internet like, ah, i got to find a good tight ends coach. got to find a good assistant tight ends coach. I know that's not you. But, uh, again, normally this stuff is all happening on a Monday. They call it Black Monday, right, because they end up firing everybody. But it's kind of slowed down a little bit here. Also, you hear Wink Martindale's not exactly, no, no, not Wink. But you heard about uh, that whole blow-up with Dable and everything, right? (laughs) Oh, man, it is absolutely crazy with uh, the way the coaching search is going here early on. And the quarterback stuff, too. We talked about this, uh, you know, with Justin Fields, and, you know, it's it's time to move on, we thought. But we talked about scenarios, too, uh, what you're getting back for him and who's going to want. I mean, we discussed that, and I completely left out the fact that the Broncos probably want nothing to do with Russell Wilson, and 31 NFL teams uh, want nothing to do with that contract of his, too. I mean, this is going to be a uh, very messy 
offseason heading up to the draft here with a lot of questions. Usually a little bit more straightforward with things, but this is just... There's some names and some things that have to happen. It's a big offseason for the Bears. Might be the biggest offseason for the Bears in decades, right? you got to nail these two draft picks or whatever you're doing in the first round. You have to find an offensive coordinator that sticks. You have to make some headway on a stadium. I mean, Kevin Warren's got his hands full. 100% has his hands full. I can't wait to see how they work this stuff out. We're going to take our final break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up. Things we may have missed and more are next. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Just. A lot of you guys have been sending your thoughts in on the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. We appreciate that. Let's get to a few things that we may have missed. Ian Rappaport says, um, the Titans, this firing comes from uh, the owner, Amy Adams Strunk made the decision based on a lot of things he said, including what happened when he went to New England for the Hall of Fame thing and not dispelling rumors in-house that he was going to be the Patriots coach. So you fired your coach because he didn't lie enough for you in-house? Like what? Next off, why did you not try to trade him? I'm under contract. It is possible. Why fire a guy out of spite? You're afraid he was going to take. Guess what? Where do you think he's going to end up now? It's like breaking up with your high school ex. Well, that's it. I'm not going out with you anymore because you won't say so-and-so isn't pretty. What do you want to say? I'm going out with you. I mean, there's no, you know, Vrabel has such a history in New England and a, in a soft spot there. You knew that when you hired him. I, I, <laughs> what, what do you want? You want him just to lie to you all the time that, yeah, no, I wouldn't be interested in a patron. If Bill Belichick or Robert Kraft calls up Mike Vrabel for anything, he's picking up the phone. That is the relationship that he has. If New England wants him, they could pay you for him. Not a problem. Perhaps some comments that he said. It's a special place with great leadership about New England. Great fans, great direction, great coaching. Enjoy it. It's not like this everywhere. I mean, that's true. I don't think it's a shot at Tennessee necessarily. Just what a dumb reason. What a dumb reason to fire somebody. Speaking of dumb, I have so many questions about this viral story about the amateur treasure hunter. 
So if you haven't heard this story, this guy has a dream that there's gold underneath his house. This dude dug down 12 stories underneath his house. 12! Uh, what? How many stories are those apartment buildings on Chauncey Hill? We're in the ballpark there, right? So imagine that underneath your house. This guy dug because he had a dream. I had a dream once to go play poker, and I went and did, and I won. And it's the only time I've had a dream about something, and yeah, no, I thought, I thought that was a sign, and it worked out. It never happens. At what point do you personally have that dream, commit to doing this, and say, you know what, I'm going to stop? Three stories, maybe? This guy went 12. So it's not shocking that what happened, he fell down the hole, and he died. 12 stories. Was this guy married? He dug this by himself in a year. It's like the size of a manhole. Like he's Andy Dufresne trying to escape his life. 71 years old. And this is how he's going to go out. <laughs> Why? Why? Dude, it reminds me so much of... There was a Michael Shannon movie. I wish I remembered the name of it. Where, like, he starts having these visions that, like, the end of the world is coming, so he keeps on doomsday prepping and spending all his family's money and his wife's freaking out and stuff. I won't ruin it for you, but Michael Shannon's always good. But th this is ridiculous. How do you do 12, like, literally for a year, you're like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and dig some more of the hole. How tall is 12 stories? Like, that is just, how do you even do that? As a 71-year-old man, how are you able to do that? 10 feet per story. That's 120 feet down into the earth. Shocking to me. Uh, I am now committing to betting on the Dolphins this weekend. I don't even care what the line says. I have been inundated with the stats of how they are 0-12 in these cold-weather situations, and the fact that that's all I've seen on gambling Twitter leads me to believe that you just have to bet them, because that's the way it works. They love to throw out these stats to get you convinced that there's no way, and when you get hit with them enough, man, that's when you're like, ah, I should have seen it coming. You've got to give it to the NFL story writers, though. I mean, going into the playoffs first week is just... Ah, beautiful, some of the storylines that they've got going. But yeah, this is one they keep on throwing out here. Ten straight games when the kickoff temperature is 40 degrees or below. I have to take the Dolphins. I have to. And finally, Pat McAfee is very excited to be able to move on from the Aaron Rodgers drama because he announced today that uh, Aaron will no longer be appearing on the show for the rest of the football season. This has been a bigger story way longer than it needs to be. It has been a distraction way longer than it needs to be.
I think we a, a, a lot of people had complaints during COVID and, and the social issues that were going on uh, in our country then that they did not like ESPN getting into the stuff to begin with, you know, the politics stuff. And then they sort of backed down a bit on it, and now it's been ratcheted back up on the other side of the political spectrum here. Everybody's entitled to their opinions. They should be able to express them, but at, at one point, you got to ask yourself, um, if you're going to be a sports program, why are you committing 20 minutes talking about, in, in 2024, we're spending you know, 20 plus minutes talking about Jimmy Kimmel, COVID, and Epstein. Like, I thought he's on to talk about football. He's more than welcome to have his opinions and do the show. But I think it's it, this is all, this has been such a distraction. And I kind of feel bad for Pat, too, because, you know, he's been saddled with all of this. I know he's a very polarizing figure here. Uh, a lot of people love him. Some people don't like the way that the, they do the shows and stuff. That's it's all your preference. It, Whatever you want to do. It's your time. You do what you like. They're your opinions. But I feel like that show really built that momentum. They were doing great. Then they got bogged down here with all of this, um, with all of that talk and then the scrutiny that came with that. And I'm not surprised that this is over. Uh, I mean, it probably makes sense, too. You you heard a couple of... uh, you know, uh, Aaron and, and Pat complaining about a couple different ESPN executives who probably made the call. It's like, listen, let's cut it off for the rest of the year. Let's move on. It's not helping. I think the two of them were probably a little upset by that because they don't like to be told what to do. But at least that show can kind of move past this and grow. He is right about that. He should be excited to be able to move on from all that drama. It's what they needed to do. It's the right thing. That does it for us here on the Hammer Down Show for this Wednesday. Best of luck to Coach Geralds and company. They got the AP National Player of the Year in town tonight in Caitlin Clark. Don't forget, if you're going out to that game, the winter clothes drive, they need your help. So make sure you make those donations and get that 10% off coupon for the uh, Purdue Team Store online. Don't want you to miss out on that. And don't want you to miss out on a great chance to help the community. We're going to be back tomorrow. It's Thursday. We're going to start thinking about... NFL playoffs, we're going to start thinking about uh, this Purdue and Penn State game. We'll see if Kevin Warren and company give us anything else to talk about here in their press conference, get ready to kick off, uh, I believe, at the top of the hour here. So uh, that'll be interesting to see what he has to say about the firing Luke Getze and more. So we'll be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. We'll talk local sports with you here on the Hammerdown Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017 thehammer.com.